I've been so many times that I put up posts as like, oh my God, should I really post this? For me, personal branding is not at all about marketing on social media. Personal branding is deeper. I totally lost my own identity. I started to question everything. Like, who am I to even teach this? It would be really boring if we don't continue to grow. I think the definition of vulnerability, it's putting yourself out there and have no idea how people will react to it. If somebody's listened to this podcast and had an awareness of some of these things and they have decided they want to start on this journey of self-development, going deeper, understanding purpose, but it all feels a little bit overwhelming, what is a good place to start? On today's podcast, I am joined by none other than Annalie Hansen, who, if you've not heard of before, is a brand strategist and brand coach from Sweden. The reason I'm so excited about this conversation is because Annalie is very open and very vulnerable when it comes to sharing her life and her business. And we get to really pick apart some of the key issues and challenges that I know you will be facing or have faced in your business at some point. We get to go really deep into the ideas of loneliness running a business, imposter syndrome. We get into shadow work, talking about our inner child. So these are things that I think don't get talked about often enough. And Annalie has been brave and courageous enough to really let us behind the curtain of her life and business. And so I know you're going to find it really valuable. As always, if you enjoy this episode, please hit the subscribe button and share it with a friend. Annalie, if people follow you on social media, they will see quite a lot of posts which I would say are personal, quite vulnerable, telling people a lot about your life and your situation. I'm curious, like, what's that all about? I think it's about inviting people to get to know me. And I truly believe that the only way we can connect with people is that if we're vulnerable and open, that's the door to connection. So that's why I do it. Like, I really want to connect with people. I want them to see that I'm like just like everyone else. I'm messy. I have so many struggles. I think it's easier to help people if they don't feel like you're patronizing and tell them what to do. Just put yourself beside them. And I'm like, I'm here with you. Let's do some work. That's why I do it. Yeah, I love that. Are you ever afraid that people will judge you or think you're sharing too much that's maybe not relevant to business? I used to be. (laughs) I mean, I'm such a people pleaser. I want to be liked. I've been so many times that I put up posts as like, oh my God, should I really post this? But then the more I really work on myself and my self-acceptance... And the more I study and I reflect over my own behavior, I realize that people's reactions they have when they think something like that, because I do know they do exactly what you said, is because it doesn't say anything about me. It says everything about them. When did you learn that? I learned that kind of recently. I've been on this personal development, self-acceptance journey for about two to three years. And I think when you and I met on the future Euro tour, When I was traveling around in Europe for two months with Chris, that was like kind of my breakthrough when I really, really got it. Like, now I understand. I understand where this pain comes from also within me and also want to be liked all the time. So that's where the really deeper work started, where I'm like, okay, I think I need to see a therapist. I think I need to go a little bit deeper and to look into my shadow, which is really scary. And that's when I realized I judge people so hard because I judge myself so hard. So, so does everyone else. So someone who says something like that or to even think about it, you need to stop and reflect and like, why do I even feel this way about this person? It says something about me. I remember that realization and it sucks, (laughs) right? Sometimes we take so much joy in being frustrated at someone else or judging someone else. Like, oh, why are they so loud and Mm. inconsiderate or whatever it is? And then you realize that all of those judgments are some form of projection or something that you haven't made peace with in yourself. And you're like, oh, crap, that's actually because 
I'm like that, or I want to yes. be more like that, or or whatever it is. So for those that are listening who maybe haven't done a lot of that in a work, why is it important specifically in the context of running a successful business and having a more creatively fulfilling life? Why is that in a work so important? I mean, I can't talk for anyone else, but for me, I really wanted to develop my personal brand too. And I want to teach people. And so first I thought it was more about finding myself and my voice and what I believe in. And then the more I dive into it, I realize this would have benefited me so much if I did this 15, 20 years ago, because this is actually so applicable on client work as well. So when I think about a brand as a brand strategist, what we want to do basically is to humanize a brand and make someone actually care. So it's like a buzzword to say humanize it, but what do we really mean? We just need it to have some opinions about things, to believe in something, to have a higher mission, to want to accomplish something. Like, why would we even care buying that or want to work at that company if it's just a commodity like everyone else? So knowing this, I can use this way of thinking and working even when I would work with a corporate client. Because the problem is that they lack personality. So what are you thinking when you put something out there on social media that feels quite raw to you? Like, what are the thoughts that are going through your head? Personally, I feel like it's a little bit maybe also that I want to share struggles of people will not feel alone. And I think that comes down to I have always felt like the outsider. And I don't want to say it like in a victim-like mood of, oh, I feel so sorry for myself. It's not like that. It's actually just, I've been different. So realizing that I have this constant feeling and I still have it. Like I struggle with this daily. I'm just kind of a little bit high level right now, but I've been like down for days because I struggle a little bit with depression. I don't know what what it is, but I do also know that I probably have ADHD or ADD and my emotions are very much like a roller coaster. So this feeling of, for me, is it like, if I choose to be alone, then it's my choice and I don't feel lonely. But when I feel outside, like when I look at other people on social media or seeing other people do collaborations or things, it's just this like feeling in my chest, which is like, oh my God, I'm alone again. I feel like a little girl looks outside the window and see the other kids playing. And I get that overwhelming feeling of feeling lonely because I didn't choose to be alone today. You know what I mean? Like That's so interesting. It's like a difference between being alone or being lonely. And I think I don't want people to feel lonely. So when I post things like this, it's also to show you are not alone. We struggle with things. I meet CEOs, I meet CMOs, I meet a lot of people. Everyone is just a human being and we all have these internal struggles. Some people are just a little bit more open to talk about them. I actually love that. I don't think I've ever heard you describe that in that way before. And actually, that's kind of given me a slightly new perspective on what you do online and actually made me feel like it's even braver or even more courageous than I originally thought it was, but also has a positive impact. It has a big why. Because I think a lot of people I've seen personally, a lot of people being quote unquote Mm. vulnerable or transparent with their life, but it's to build their personal brand, to get likes, to get engagement. And like, really, they don't even try and hide that. The motivator is I want more followers. I want more attention. And I think having that driver, and I know you've spoken about wanting to be the center of attention before, so we can dive into that a little bit if you want. But like, I think having that driver of like showing people that they're not alone and showing people what you're going through, even though from the outside, it might look like you're uber successful, you're hanging out with Chris Doe, you're on the future pro tour, but actually what's going on behind the scenes is this. I think that is really powerful and really courageous. Yeah. The question I've got for you, Anna Lee, is just a little bit like something you just said around that little girl looking out the window. Mm. It seems to me like the feeling is a similar feeling, which I know I experienced as a kid where you don't get picked for the team, like 
someone says at playtime or at soccer practice, like, right, you're going to go into two yeah. different teams. There's two captains and you're going to pick who you want on your team and you like the last to be picked or whatever. Is that the kind of feeling that you're describing? Yeah, it is. That sometimes I feel like I'm at a school dance. I'm just waiting for someone to ask me to dance because I don't know if it's okay to ask for yourself. I'm not so good at asking. And then I look out and I see everyone else play. So I can see how it looks like from the outside that I'm everywhere. But inside of me, that is still how I feel a little bit. And so I've just put that in a little bit of a context. You know, it's like when I was younger, a couple of things happened when I was like a teenager where I really felt making fun of and kind of put on the spot and people could laugh at me, you know. So even when I got a little bit older, I couldn't even objectively see myself. I saw a person who was not worthy of being loved and who was fat, who was ugly. Like that was the way I saw myself. So if a guy asked me, which of course happened to dance or to go, you know, see a movie, whatever it was on a date, I said no, because of the fear of, I thought they were making fun of me. So I would say, if I would say yes, then someone would call me and say like it was a prank and they would make fun of me. That was my self-confidence when I grew up. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Like how our brain can be so confident of something that even when evidence presents itself, mm. which is counter to our belief, we still think in some way that we're being tricked. I don't know if you've ever heard the story about the Vietnamese leader in the mm. war who was in the jungle and he was fighting the enemy and the war was over and they would drop leaflets to try and find him and say, hey, the war's over, you can come mm. out now. But he was hiding in the jungle and he just didn't believe anybody that told him that the war was over. He thought that the leaflets were propaganda. He thought they even got members of his family to come with megaphones oh and shout into the forest like, you know, the war's over. But he just wouldn't believe anything because he was so convinced that it was the enemy trying to trick him. It's that self-story. And what I learned recently is that this is something I try to practice. When I get this overwhelming emotions and feelings, which is really like a high level for me, it's like pump up the volume and that's my feelings. They're coming in like strong. When I feel that, I have to just stop. And instead of just having a reaction, I need to stop myself. I need to really think, where is this coming from? Is this really what someone is telling me right now? Or am I just coming up with a story in my own head? Start thinking about something that happened way back and my head is just spiraling now, coming up with a story that is not even true. So I have to kind of stop myself. And this is really difficult. I'm not saying I know what I'm doing because I'm failing with this every day, but I'm really working on it. I'm aware of what happens, that a lot of my feelings are not true. A lot of my feelings are stories that I tell myself. And this was really difficult for me to even admit because somehow my feelings and my emotions, I saw them as my identity and my superpower. So if I can't trust my own feelings, what am I? Like, that's my identity. Wow. Okay. So there's a whole layer to this. Okay. And I'm just curious, because you mentioned you've done a lot of inner work, mm. you've done a lot of therapy. Have you explored much the relationship that you have with that little girl that you mentioned who's looking out the window? And tell me more about that. That's what I feel like I need to have most compassion in a way for her and give her grace because she's constantly comparing herself to other people and want attention. And you just want to be liked and accepted, you know, for who she is. And growing up in Sweden with a culture where it's really clear here that you're not supposed to think you're something special. And I think you, the entire Europe is almost the same thing, like not the US, but Europe and parts of Asia, of course. So it's like, don't think you're something special. I was like really loud, talked a lot, laughed out loud. It's like I loved theater singing, like, you know, I'm just look at me, look at me. That wasn't popular, you know. So then you have to tell kids like that to calm down and not talk so much. So that made being in the spotlight, getting attention, something really negative. So that's what I bring with me. Like 
if I want to take up space, if I want to be on stage, what other people would consider maybe like, wow, that's great that you like getting attention and like being on stage. For me, that is something that I really still need to battle. It's like constant inner conflict of don't think you're something special. People will not like you if you do this. You take up too much space now. Just be quiet. You know, so that's the mm. inner girl in me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. So the reason I asked you about that is because I've had a similar experience myself. And I don't know if you've ever done anything around parts work or kind of like inner child work before. I don't know if it's called inner child work, but I think when you look into your shadow and I've done a lot of like shadow work called young version, it's very similar. But tell me more about that inner child work. Yeah, well, the reason I found it so valuable is because what you've just identified there is like the emotion basically isn't matching the situation. Like you've got this feeling that you're being judged and all this stuff, but you're kind of adult brain knows that it's not rational and you're kind of saying this doesn't match right like yeah. is it just a story in my head like these emotions are coming from somewhere different but that's quite like hard to interact with because you're just basically saying like i can't trust my emotions almost like is kind of what you said right and that's me and I, I, then who i am i and we get down this whole kind of spiral it's just my feelings i think that's the difference but feelings and emotions are different for me okay yeah. so i can't trust my feelings right Mm. So what I find interesting is that those feelings aren't actually incorrect. They're just coming from a version of you that hasn't been updated. Mm. So that child, that girl that you just talked to me about still exists within you. Yeah. And so from what I understand about the work that I've done in therapy mm. is that what happens is we're... Annalie, who's, how old were you then roughly when, when you imagine yourself? 12. 12. Okay. So here's Annalie who's 12 years old. She's skipping around. She loves being loud and being all these things. And then she's got these adults that are telling her, don't do that. You shouldn't be loud. You need to behave yourself. You need to be quiet. But 12 year old Annalie doesn't have the tools and the resources to deal with that. So she yeah. just does her best and she comes up with some kind of coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And what happens in that moment is like, we aren't validated. Like our emotions yes. haven't been validated. Yeah. We've just been told that we're wrong. And we're afraid that if we're wrong, we won't be loved. And so we create this whole narrative around it. And that's what we carry into our adult life. But what's interesting is there's still a version of Annalie that exists within you that needs that reassurance and needs that love and needs that acceptance that she didn't get at the time. And so what I found really useful is to actually imagine that version of me and the work that I've done in therapy around this kind of parts mm. work is where we actually go in and almost into like a bit of a meditation and we imagine like how old are they, where are they? And we interact with them. We actually have a conversation yeah. with them. And it's actually so done powerful. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you I, have done, done some that. of this work, yeah. right? Mm. And it's so powerful because what it allows you to do is it allows you to almost like be the parent or be the whatever figure Mm. you need to that child. And instead of kind of devalidating those emotions or those feelings and being like, oh, that feeling isn't right. It's, yeah. oh, where's that feeling coming from? What does that version of me need in this moment? And you can almost give it that kind of comfort or that love or that security that it needs. And it's quite deep, but I think yeah. it's so important because it's all happening on such an unconscious level. And if you aren't aware of it and don't have the tools, it can show up at any time, right? It can show up in a sales call. It can show up, you know, in a client meeting. It can show up in the work that you're doing. There's all these kind of like different ways that it can unpack itself. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to share that just, just to see if you had had a similar experience or how you kind of think of that version of yourself. Yeah, I have done that. And first time I did it, I was actually starting to cry right away because, mm. and then you realize how deep it is, you know? And what I want to bring up that I think what people don't understand sometimes is that you can actually struggle with this because this for me, it's about self-worth and self-acceptance and, and who I am, my self-esteem. But then when it comes to self-confidence and what I can accomplish, then I do actually have very high confidence in myself. So this is where the conflict starts. That if I believe that I can do anything I want, then that is a little bit in a conflict 
with that inner girl. But for me, it's really not because one thing is about what I perform, what I can do, what I can accomplish. The other thing is me around other people, like me and the want of belonging. Mm, That's a really interesting distinction. And I'm wondering, like, what is the little girl afraid of? If you just fully embraced your confidence Mm. and you just fully went with that, what is she afraid might happen? Being alone always lonely, not being accepted because I have so high confidence that I actually can do whatever I want. So it's almost like I hold myself back in a weird way because then I belong to a group of people where we're kind of on the same level. I know this sounds so cocky to even say, but I'm like, I don't know what happened if I really go for everything I want and just release that. And then if I get the financial or success or recognition that I would love, whatever, if I I would be totally lonely. Mm. And that's where like the saying is common. It's lonely at the top, right? And what's interesting is when I coach people, especially people who are very good at what they do and have a high level, I would personally, this is just a, a semantic thing for me, but I would term it as competence, Like I have a high competence in this thing. Like I know Mm. I'm really good at this. I know I'm really good at design. I know I'm really Mm. good at brand strategy. I know I'm really good at public speaking. But confidence Mm. is about how you show up to that skill set and how you show up in that manner. And what's so interesting is obviously I've worked with a lot of people who have a high competency. And often the thing that actually holds them back is they're afraid of what might happen as a result of success, not as a result of failure. That to me is super interesting. So Talk to me about this concept of being alone. What does loneliness actually mean for you, Annalie? Because you said something really interesting earlier, which is about the choice of being alone versus being lonely. Yeah, it's really two different things. That feeling of, I like being part of something. And when you know you have that kind of inner conflict in you where you're like, like leading, you want to do it your own way. It's difficult for me sometimes to listen to advice from other people. I want to figure it out myself. So one part of me is that you want to run fast and do it my own way, you know. And the other part of me just want to be in a group because it's fun to be with other people and to feel belonging in a group. So I think that's the conflict. It's been a journey where I didn't understand why I didn't feel whole and now I do feel belonging to myself and the belonging is in my own heart. I know myself. I like myself. I accept myself, but this is still a little bit of work to do to full acceptance, full love, because that loneliness things come back. It's something there that I haven't really figured out yet, but I also give myself grace because I think this is something that we will have and work on for the rest of our lives. I think it would be really boring if we don't continue to grow, Mm. right, as people and, and to have deeper conversations with people, you know, that we have now. I just find it so interesting and to help each other out and to see How can we support each other in different ways? Because often when we're a little bit different, that's really how we can support each other. And I would love to have more conversations like this in this industry, because I think it's so much focus on money and, you know, business and all of that. That's never been my struggle. Mm. I always found it more interesting to go deeper into the core of how do we connect What do we feel? What is our emotions? When I facilitate my strength, like my superpower, is that I see things in people before they see them in themselves often. Mm. So I can stop and I can be like, okay, I sense something right now when you said that. Like, did you feel it? Like, I don't really know what you mean. Okay, can we just like go a little bit deeper here? And when I help kind of guide people that way, that's when we go a little bit deeper in your purpose and your mission and why you do what you do. And when people find this, then they can share that with their employees or with their customers. It becomes on a much, much deeper level of connection. You can write your stories, you can do everything. I find that this kind of work that is beyond AI and everything we do right now, this is human. This is being human. AI can never, ever replace this. We hope not. If somebody's listening to this podcast Mm. and maybe they've kind of had an awareness of some of these things, maybe they've heard people talk about it, 
And they have decided they want to start on this journey of self-development, going deeper, understanding purpose, looking at your shadow. But it all feels a little bit overwhelming. It all feels a little bit scary. Yeah. What is a good place to start? Therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm on this journey myself. I'm not in a position to give advice to people when it comes to this. I'm really on a journey. I can really see myself in the future wanting to help people on this journey of personal branding. For me, personal branding is not at all about marketing on social media. That's like some of the part we do for personal marketing, but really personal branding is deeper. And I think Christo is doing an amazing job around that. I'm not qualified yet to guide people doing that. Yeah, but that's okay. But where did you start? Was it as simple as just going to therapy? Like what was the starting point for you? I think it was when I decided to start teaching and coaching full time. When you totally change your offer, so you pivot and do something totally different. So you have to think about like the whole situation was not just COVID for me. It was here I am like back then. 46, I think. So a middle-aged woman from Sweden who actually just a year back didn't want to speak English in front of people at all. English, not my first language, was Swedish. So I had to change language. I went from having a market in Sweden to a global market. I changed from being a strategist, which feels really comfortable for me. I've been in this industry almost 30 years. You know, I know what I'm doing. And now I felt like, oh, this is my new thing. It's my calling. I want to teach and coach creatives. So I changed so many things. And in doing that journey, I lost myself. I totally lost my own identity. I started to question everything. Like, who am I to even teach this? Do I even know what I'm talking about? Like my ADHD squirrel brain, how can I even structure a framework teaching people? You know, I don't even know where I have my own socks. Like, toothpaste in the morning. Like I'm all over the place. I'm a messy person. How can I structure and teach people? So I just started to question so many things. I think that's where it kind of started that I need to do something about this because this will hold me back. Obviously, objectively, I have all the skills and background that I need, but in my head, I didn't really belong and I wasn't qualified enough. And then you realize this is not about an objective truth. This is my own head that makes up stories. So that's where it started. How did you get that awareness? That's what I'd love to know because I hear this all the time. It's like, I know on paper, I know objectively, like I have all the skills, but I have this self-doubt and who am I and yada, yada. Mm -hmm. What was the piece where you were aware that that was the story in your head versus mm -hmm. the truth? I kind of jumped into the deep water mm. because I did things that really challenged me. Okay. So I published, well, I was going to publish a course with the future. This is my, my first ever recorded course. Some people do some, you know, tests and actually create some courses themselves. I have never done that. I didn't even know how to write a curriculum. I didn't know anything. And I was like, yeah, let's create a course. I had so much imposter syndrome. So I couldn't even record. I was so afraid. I was crying. I was procrastinating. I couldn't do it. At one point, Chris was like, you ju just do it. You know, you just do it. I was like, okay, okay, I do it. I do it. Like, call me when you're done <laughs> with the first recording. I'm okay. Okay. So that was like small, small steps. And I put myself out there. Then I realized, like, okay, this is serious. Like you almost blew it because you didn't want to record. Mm. That was one thing. Another thing that I'd done, and I just told this once time before, I think, is I was going to do a podcast recording with Chris for the future podcast. And people think that I'm there and I'm doing things all the time, but I never really been on the podcast or the YouTube channel talking about my topic, which is brand strategy. Not that way, you know, always with Chris doing things. So I was there. I didn't know. I was, we misunderstood each other. So I thought I was going to talk about what you and I talk about now, a little bit about imposter syndrome, like my own journey. So I was like relaxing, having a cup of tea. It was super late, you know, in the evening. I know I like some candles. Like, I'm like, just relax and tell your story. And then Chris shows up and he's like, hey, two minutes before. And it's like, okay, let's go. And he's like, okay, brand strategy, define brand strategy. I'm like, uh, what? And it's like, yeah. And then we start talking about case studies. It's like, yeah. And also 
put on the spot because I thought we were going to talk about something else. And then I realized I totally messed up because that is the first time ever in my life that everything just, I was frozen. I didn't even know my name. I didn't know anything. I was going to talk about Patagonia and I said North Face. I was all over the place and I didn't even know what I was doing. So I was so sad after. So I actually called him and I was like, I don't want you to publish that. I'm going to look like a total idiot and I will never, ever have a chance again to do anything. And he's such a good friend. So he's like, whatever you want, you decide. And we decided to not do it. And I think that's over a year ago. And that's when I realized like, oh my God, how can I have all this knowledge and experience? And in a situation where I feel so stressed, I just totally blank. So that's when I realized like, shoot, this is going to be a problem if I don't do anything about it. Mm. I don't want to be up on stage and be on this situation. But I also realized I don't think I'm alone about this. I think there's so many other people who feel this anxiety and like, oh my God, I need to perform. I need to show everything I know. Otherwise, I will never, ever get a chance in my life again, now or never. So I didn't even want to say I don't know to a question because I thought that meant that you're not qualified. Now I realize saying I don't know could be a strength. It's like, how could I know everything? You don't know everything. It's just a confidence saying, I don't know and being fine with that. But I didn't even think that was good. You know, anything you could say, I was just rambling, trying to find an answer. So yeah, how did I find out? I screwed up a couple of times, to be honest. So why carry on in those moments? Why not just say, I'm probably not cut out for this. Maybe doing this whole like personal branding thing isn't for me. Maybe being on these big podcasts isn't for me. Like what kept you going? Because I know my bigger mission, and that is to help people to get that seat. And I don't know so many people like me who have one foot in marketing, one in branding, one being on the client side on a high position, one being on the agency side and have my own businesses. Like, I think I have a very good foundation, solid foundation to guide people to get to that place. And I know it's a little bit maybe buzzword to say like, the business of design, but there is a bridge between the creative side and the business side. And I know how to talk both languages and it's not so common. So I feel the urge of, I'm supposed to help guide people do this. And I can't let myself get in my own way because I believe in myself so much. I know I can do this. Yeah. And also because I know how to get attention, I can help other people to get into the spotlight and get attention. That's my calling. So how can I give up? That would be so selfish. There's two really key ingredients that I heard there, Annalie, which I think so many people miss. And I mm. think is the reason that so many people are struggling. Number one is the purpose or the thing that was driving you is bigger than you. Like yeah. it wasn't focused on me and what I'm going to get in terms of more money, more exposure, et cetera. It mm. was like, you wanted to help other people right? That was the first like belief and driver. And then the second thing was you believe that you were in a unique position to do that. Yeah. And I, I think those two things alone are so powerful because if we swap that around, so the first one is we're just focused on us, then it becomes this kind of like inward cycle. And all of these things that we've been talking about get the better of us because we can talk ourselves out of it, right? Yeah. And then the second thing is that if you don't believe you're unique or you are in a unique position to help somebody, the narrative is just, well, if I don't do it, then somebody else will. And that person is better than me and they'll probably do it better than me. And so we just give up. And I love the fact that you just highlighted that because they were the two things that shifted in my life. Number one, I stopped just focusing on myself and what I wanted. Like, I want to travel the world and have nice holidays and have fancy things. And like that only gets you so far. Then you once you have some of those things, you lose the motivation. And then the second thing was unpacking my story and realizing that I was like you said in this kind of unique position with these unique skill sets and experiences to actually help people. So yeah, I think anybody listening, you know, if I was just going to encourage people to, to figure out two things, or at least to focus on two things, they would definitely be it. I want to ask you a question about Chris and your relationship with Chris, because I find it really intriguing when Chris kind of takes a liking to certain people. 
And the reason I say that is because I've seen him kind of do like go on both sides. Like he's a very popular person. There's lots of people that want his time and attention. So it's impossible for him to give it to everybody. And there's some people where he just he's like really kind of just like, yeah, matter of fact with them and then move on. And then some people like you and me, he kind of goes a bit deeper with and mm-hmm. forms relationships with and messages us privately and all of this stuff. Like, I'm curious, what is it about you that you think compelled Chris to want to help and give you as much time as he has given you over these past couple of years? Okay, to be totally honest, and I'm really being honest now, is that I didn't know who Chris was. Mm. I mean, not so many years ago, I never, ever watched YouTube. And I was going to do a talk here in Sweden about branding. I just felt like I needed some inspiration. And instead of Google, which I always did, inspiration, I just went searching on YouTube for some reason, like on my TV. So there he was with Jose and I was like, okay, interesting. And after a while, I'm like, oh, it sounds like he actually talks about the both sides that I just mentioned. For the first time, I heard someone who I felt, this is someone that I can really listen to. And I feel like he have the right and the left Mm -hmm. thinking. Mm -hmm. And the way he articulated that was how I felt. We were just very different. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So before that, I didn't even know who he was. So I just joined the Future Pro Group. So I think my, some people like, of course, and I don't, I I think that's amazing that people fanning on Chris. And I mean, he deserves that. But he wasn't someone I looked up to because I didn't even know who he was. So when I joined the group, it was more about like, wow, this is a community that I really like wanting to belong to and looking for for so many years. I felt that belonging. And he said really good things that I could take action on right away. And I just honestly felt I didn't think about teaching or anything. I did my client work. I just felt I want to give back. I want to help. I want to support this group the best way I can. So I'm just started just to give as much as I could in the pro group. I had my own subgroup. I did like a lot of things just to give with no expectations of anything back because I did my client work like, you know, so I think that's how our relationship started. And I don't know, maybe he saw that we had a similar mission and values and I genuinely want to help and serve people. I don't know if that is what it's all. Yeah, well, I think the value up front is a key piece, right? Because I think there's a lot of people in positions of influence and authority who just get people coming to them and asking for stuff, right? Like, oh, hey, Chris, you're amazing. Can I be on your YouTube channel or can I be on your podcast or whatever? I kind of took a similar approach, like I think sharing mission and not really asking for anything up front, just kind of giving value. But what I find interesting, just to go on like a next layer, is watching your interactions with Chris on the Future Pro Tour and kind of seeing how he pushes you and seeing how he uses you as an example. So like when I was in LA, you know, he did his keynote in front of 600 people and you were like one of the main slides. I know. And he was like, hey, this is my friend, Annalie. This is her personal story and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just curious if you have any, not even insight, but just any thoughts on what it is about you and your journey that he finds so interesting and so compelled to be involved with? I really honestly don't know because I'm maybe not the greatest student either because I'm not like everyone else who... I know a good student is someone who just listens and take action the day after. And I'm very much more like, ah, oh, why is this? Like, okay, I need to understand the why behind this. And so I'm not so easy that way. I'm like the opposite of the soldier who just like take orders and take action. I think Chris and I are very much like salt and pepper. We're just each other's totally opposites. So maybe he just likes the challenge. Maybe he does. And I don't honestly know more than I can say that for me, He is, uh, I'm so extremely grateful for that guy because I know what I can accomplish. It's not that I think I deserve everything I have right now because I put in a lot of hard work in what I'm doing. And I was so stubborn. So I I remember when I was up to like 50,000 followers, I was like, 
I didn't tell anyone, but I was like, I'm not going to do any like content collaboration with Chris on Instagram or anything until I get 100,000 followers, because I never, ever want anyone to say you just got to 100,000 followers because you're Christo's friend or because he coaches you or help you. I was like, I do it on my own. And I grew really fast. And I'm like, no one can tell me that. You know what I mean? So I'm extremely grateful for him. I know that I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for him. And he knows that. I think he's amazing. And he is maybe the only person so far in my life that I actually feel really inspired by and want to learn from because he has so many sides that I don't have. I learn a lot from him, just study how he teaches and coaches But then we also realize, I think both of us, and and I know that now, that I used to think that was the way of doing it. And I wanted to learn how to do the Christo way. And now I realize that's not the Anneli way. The Anneli way is leading with intuition, is seeing people beyond those eyes. It's like, I see you. That's the Anneli way. I use my intuition and my heart to, to be my best self. So I learn a lot from him, but I also bring my own power. And the more I grow, the more I realize what is my power too, and where I need to stand in that power myself to go to the next level. I think as a coach, as a mentor, however Chris sees himself, it's rare that somebody is willing to be so open about their journey and so vulnerable around things that aren't working as well as things that are working. There's the classic... Hey, I worked with Annalie over six months. When she started, she was at 10,000 followers and now she's at 100,000 and she's blah, 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 blah. That's all great. But I think what Chris loves, and I'm just guessing here, so I might be way off, but I think he, he also loves the kind of working example, right? It's like, you are the real life guinea pig where we get to see all this stuff playing out. And not many people are vulnerable or brave enough to be that guinea pig because you basically have to do the work. It's like therapy, but in front of like a mm. hundred people, basically, which is kind of what the pro group was. And I, do you know what? I'm happy to grow in front of people because I think that it's so, you know, it's things we talk about now. It's still things that I struggle with and things that I'm kind of in the middle of, you know, just the thing we talked about, you know, the confidence of knowing, believe in yourself. I really, truly believe in myself. But what I think was really difficult to admit, oh my God, we talked about this so much, is I want to be seen. I want recognition. I love being in the spotlight. And to say that without adding, so I can save the world or Mm. so I can help people, because that's a safe thing. So when you say, Matt, that you're vulnerable, we just need to really think about like, what is vulnerable? Because what if something for me that I share might not be so vulnerable for me, but for you, it would be really vulnerable and vice versa. Mm. See what I mean? So this is like the next deeper level. So first I think, oh, that was so vulnerable of me or sharing about my struggles with weight. But then when we think about it, like, is it really that vulnerable? Because if I share something like that, do you really think that a lot of people will turn against me and say, I hate you, you're fat and you're like, you know, I would probably deep inside of me know that this will resonate with a lot of people and they will feel it too. And they will, of course, like me. Is that really vulnerable to write about something that I actually know that people will resonate with? What if I would say something that was really like out there, an opinion I have about something that I actually really don't know if people would be like, oh my God, did Anneli Hansen just say that? That would be vulnerable. Yeah, I guess that's vulnerable and courageous. Yeah, but I think that's vulnerable because I think the definition of vulnerability is not how much trauma it is, how much sensitive it is. It's putting yourself out there and I have no idea how people will react to it. Right. I think that's vulnerability. I love that. Okay. Food for thought. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, what does the future look like for you, Annalie? Like, where is the next 12, 18, 24 months going to hopefully take you in life and business? I think I'm kind of um, exploring a little bit right now because when I started teach and coach, we didn't have so much AI and chat GPT. Mm. And I noticed a lot of things happening in the industry right now. So when I started out, 
my like really mission, I want to be like the brand strategy of Ikea. Some kind. What I mean by that, I want to make it accessible for a lot of creatives. I want to teach like a million creatives to get paid for their thinking and to learn the foundation of how we build a brand. But today it's like you can ask a prompt in ChatGPT and you can get almost anything. Like you get so much content, so much knowledge for free. So that like basic level of knowledge is so accessible for people today. Mm. So most people ask me about things. I'm like, you can just Google it or ask ChatGPT. Why do you even ask me? It's so easy to access that kind of... Alex Hermosi is like free books about, you know, his lead generation, his developing products. Everything is out there for free. So I had to start like thinking, what am I really helping people with here? So I love live teaching. That's what I love most. I'm doing a boot camp right now. And like yesterday, I brought in a CEO for a company and we facilitate and we do role play and they really like dive into and try different things and we can reflect and talk about it. And that's like, I see the, the light bulb goes off, like people get it. Like now you understand, you know, because it's the real deal. This is not the book. This is not the pre-recorded course. This is me coaching and teaching in real life. I love that. I want to do it more in public, like in person. So I want to travel more. I want to do more workshops in person. I want to do public speaking. I want to inspire people so they can feel like I deserve to be on this higher level where I can actually seek the problem and learn how to solve the problem that are real business problem. I'm so into sustainability. I think it's important for us to be part of developing solutions so we can make the world a little bit better. But we can't do that if we're order takers waiting for someone to call to design a poster or a website. It will never make that deeper difference. So I want to help creatives level up to that C-suite table. That's my calling. That's what I want to do. And if I can do that with coaching, with teaching, and most of all, bringing together real clients and creatives, because I think we learn by doing things, not just by reading books. Love that. Love that mission. And you mentioned earlier this idea that you think creatives should be at every kind of board table, for want of a better word. Tell me more about that belief and where it came from. When I was a chief marketing officer, chief brand officer, we worked with so many international agencies like DDB, McCann, a lot of others. And I saw that there were almost never any creative people when we have strategy discussions. So I was in the strategy discussions from how to develop products and services uh, to developing concepts to all the strategy discussions. We didn't, no creative person was in that room until we decided what the strategy was, and it was time for execution. Then the creatives were let in. And I always wondered about that. Like, isn't this so strange? Because when I had my branding studio, I worked with a brand identity designer and we was in all meetings together from the first meeting. We just had different roles. So I facilitated and I was like, I'm the strategist. I facilitate, I lead, but she's here because she's going to take over soon and she needs to hear everything. She has other qualities than I have. She observes everything in this room, I promise you. She will see all the details. She will take notes because here, listen to you, listen to us now will help her see the solutions for what will come. So I brought her in right away. And that's what I think creatives and strategists, if it's not the same person, should work together. Not like having a designer coming in when the strategy is already done. So I'm not saying that all creatives need to be strategists and that anyone should feel less of being a designer, not a strategist. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's the opposite. I feel like all creatives and all designers have almost a magical skill and ability to seek out problems and to see different perspectives than left-brainers do. And to, to when we talk about divergent thinking, it is really something. It's about being able to see different perspectives for a longer time, like being a curious kid to explore different things and to not go into solutions too fast 
And that kind of divergent thinking of seeing the bigger picture and different perspectives, creators bring that to the table. And all creators need to realize that they have that power, maybe not just the tools. And that's the tools I can give them. I can give them the tools and the language. And then they're ready. Couldn't agree more. I think, like you said, there's a natural inclination or a natural ability to solve problems that people don't realize. And a lot of the work that we do is helping people to realize that they are problem solvers. And the better you get at solving problems and the bigger the problems you solve, the more money you earn, the more impact you have, the more fulfilled you are in your work. And I yeah. I love the mission to get people to level up. You know, it's kind of on two sides, which I love. One is getting the C-suite and the corporate world to accept creatives into that strategy. But another part is really just empowering creatives to be, I suppose, more self-assured and to be more focused on the problem they're solving rather than just the skill sets and the toolbox that they have, right? Yeah. And also leaning into like what makes a human different from ChatGPT or any AI. We can deeply connect with people. We can facilitate. We can really use our intuition. Most of all, we can use our imagination. So there are a lot of beautiful things with being a creative that we might felt different our entire life, you know, like a mutant, because we are different in a way. But I think that's the beauty also to be able to lean into that and to also see like, how can I use this intuition when I work with clients? It's just really, really important for me to find their superpower so they can find their voice. Amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up today. I just really enjoy this conversation. And I want to say that I don't even want to talk about anything that I offer. And this is also consciously from me that I think sometimes that having this kind of conversations that are a little bit deeper, getting to know someone and to feel, because I truly believe that I think I heard heard this from Dot Lang. I don't know where she got it from. Maybe she invented it, but it's like your vibe attracts your tribe. And I truly believe in that. I believe that if we show up and show who we are, then you choose to work with people who you feel aligned with. Because there's so many business coaches out there like you, Matt, or sales coaches. There's so many brand strategies, teachers like me, but there's only one of you and only one of me. And when we show that beyond what you can show your skills, then people choose you and no one can compete with you. So I think that's why it's important to getting to know. So I hope this helped some people getting to know me. I think it did. If people want to join your tribe, Annalie, where can they connect with you? I'm the Annalie Hansen on social media and AnnalieHansen.com is my website. Uh, so yeah, I'm often on LinkedIn, Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. Amazing. We'll put those in the show notes for today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I hope we get to do round two. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Creative Courage podcast. Me too. And thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Before you leave, if you found this episode valuable, please hit the subscribe button. Also, if you are a creative business owner doing more than 10k a month and you want to grow and scale without working longer hours or hiring a massive team then I have something you may be interested in we have just developed a tool that will give you a custom growth strategy based on exactly where you are in your business right now so you can stop consuming lots of random content and trying to figure things out on your own and actually get something personalized to you. You will also receive a free copy of my book and it will point out relevant chapters. If you'd like to take the scorecard, it's totally free. You just have to click the link in the show notes or connect with me on LinkedIn and you will see a link in my bio. Thanks for listening. This is the Creative Courage Podcast.